For as long as I've known the NBA, it's been a stars league. But even among the stars, there's an exclusive club. Russell, Dr. J, Jordan, Kobe. They're all part of a select group that paved the way for the NBA superstar of today. And some even shared secrets with each other along the way. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Jackie McMullen, and this is the Icons Club. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com, Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. That right there, friends, is what you get when there's no one to interrupt the intro. That's the full intro music. You probably don't get that very often. You're usually hearing Mike jump in too long. Three seconds. No, thank you. That's my best mic impression. Um, ladies and gentlemen, it's a Jesse slash sports boy slash JG Mafia centered episode today. Your boy, Michael Giuseppe, otherwise known as Meat, otherwise known as The Mouth, otherwise known as Boston Mike, has something um, or he has allergies. He has either allergies or really bad this year. And uh, that's why I had them last episode. And he has them very bad today. Or maybe there's something else going on. Uh, fun fact, we talked about coming back from the Mint. It was great. Had a great time. I, uh, I We both felt fine the first few days. I noticed, what was it, like maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, started getting stuffed, coughing, you know, nothing too bad, though. Um, and I thought that was it. I thought it was allergies because it came and went pretty quickly. As of Saturday, Mike started feeling the exact same thing. And then we started hearing all these reports of uh, a lot of people at the Mint got sick and some have tested positive for COVID. We did not. We both took tests. We did not uh, test positive. But that being said, Mike is at home. Maybe he calls us. Maybe we get a, a call in, a little pop in on the on the show today. But he is not feeling all too well. Um, and a little sad news, too. He, we, we may or may not be doing a YouTube this week. Um, we're going to see how things go. He has to leave to fly back home. Uh, unfortunately, his Grammy, Grammy Montebello, is not doing too well. Uh, so he is making an emergency trip up there. Guys, keep Mike in your thoughts. Give him a little Facebook hug, if you will. Throw one of those like heart emojis. He loves showy displays of affection. That is his thing. Please reach out. Let him know you're thinking about him. That being said, 
There's your banter, your one-way banter. But we do have a special guest with us today, so don't get too upset. It's not going to be just Jesse talking the whole time. In fact, why don't you introduce yourself, friend? Here he is. What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John Jastrzemski. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to do that. No, JJ John Jastrzemski can't even say it. Unfortunately, he is not joining us, but one day we're going to get him on, and we're going to have him do that, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, Jason Flynn, who you may recall, didn't I hear him recently? Yes, you did. He's coming back. We are going to do a little update just from last Thursday's episode uh, about soccer cards. We're going to talk about a few of the products we've talked about specifically and already. You know, apparently we have a big effect on the market, and we... We want to go ahead and apologize if that ever has a negative effect for any of you, but we try and use our powers responsibly. Um, but there, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but mainly we're going to talk about F1. Um, uh, we know we've got an F1 guy coming on very shortly. Jason, though, is also going to you know hit us with a few highlights, what we want to be looking out for, um, maybe some sleeper guys who are up and coming, especially you know if when me and Mike say we don't know much about soccer, that is true, but we want to take it down a notch even less than when we talk about F1. So we really want to have people knowledgeable to educate you guys as best we can. So that being said, he will be coming on here in the next few minutes. And maybe we get a little pop in from... What's up, everybody? I'm JJ. I'm so, I didn't mean that. That was an accident. Okay. I hope he knows it's in good fun. Everybody reach out to JJ and let him know we're having fun. Um, so a couple things before... Uh, we bring on Jason. One, again, we want to reemphasize this coming Thursday. We have uh, Ariel Helwani and Ronick. Did I butcher that? How close am I? You did pretty well. Pretty well. Okay, I'll take that. Ariel Helwani, who is the ringer, not even just the ringers UFC guy. He's kind of the UFC guy as far as commentary, what's going on in the sport. He's going to give us uh, some heads up as there's some UFC products that are coming out. Um, and then of course, for a little bit of nonsense and a little bit of fun, Dusty Slay, he's a comedian. He has a, uh, on the, the show, there's a Netflix show called standups. I believe he has a, a special on there. He's hilarious. Um, we just thought it'd be fun. And maybe we talk a little sports cards with him at the same time. So that's this coming Thursday show. Uh, Mike said he will be back in time for that. Um, we do have a little bit of a star stock update, but there will be Thursday's episodes are going to be pretty jam packed because here's, here's the situation. So if you guys aren't already familiar, star stock, we used to uh, have them as a sponsor at the beginning of the year. Uh, we basically, that, that relationship was mutually dissolved. Um, and not to say there was any hard feelings because at the time there weren't. Um, but we both feel that the fact that we ever had a sponsor on here that is now, um, not doing what we feel like could be best for the card community. We want to call them out for that and get some answers and figure out what's going on. Card porn put out a post, uh, I think yesterday or either Saturday or Sunday saying that they had spoken with some guys over at Starstock, um, former and current employees. They actually reached out to us, uh, card porn reached out to us to see if we had any additional details that we wanted to include in there. If we had heard anything else. Our issue was just vetting some of this stuff because we did, we've had actually a couple people reach out to us from Starstuck as like former employees, but they didn't want to name names or anything like that. So it's, you know, of course, especially Mike, he will not 
if if someone's not willing to actually say who it is, and rightly so, we don't want to have them on here bespurching, bespurching someone's good name uh, if it is still good. Uh, we don't know since we don't know them and they don't want to tell us who they are. So, um, but Cardboard says that they talked to somebody, they they verified who they are and they are former employees and they're saying that they basically gotten rid of all of their staff except for one card guide now. That is not good if that's the case. Um, you may recall we called card, uh, sorry, uh, we called Starstock, just a hotline. We got someone on the phone, talked to him for a minute. We ended up texting with them. Uh, there was a little back and forth of maybe the guy was going to come on the air. Never heard anything back after he said he was going to check. So the reason we called that number was because I told Mike I did not have the CEO Scott's phone number anymore. That may not have been 100% accurate. Uh, I do have his number. I didn't want to call that number because I don't want to. I don't want to be the gotcha journalism guys. And Mike agrees. We didn't want to do that either. Um, but that being said, I I felt like. I want to reach out to him. I want to have a conversation with him, but I don't want it to be like, Hey, you're on the radio. You talk to us right now and tell us everything that's going on. You know, if there's, I don't, I just don't know if that was the best way to handle it. So that being said, reached out to uh, Scott just uh, yesterday or the day before to see if he wanted to talk about this, to see if he wanted to come on the air. Um, he is going to come on Thursday's episode, five, 10 minutes and give an update on his take of what's actually happening. So um, we've, we've gotten reports. That's the problem, guys. We, we've gotten reports both sides of the story. Guys are saying, yes, they're getting cards back. Other guys are now saying uh, they, they still can't get anybody on the line over there. We, we feel somewhat responsible since we did promote them for so long. And here's the thing. At the Mint, when Mike was up on stage with... Uh, Darren Ravel and Jeff and whatnot. The question they start talking about the vault, and, and I raised the question at the very end. I asked them, "Okay, well, if you guys are such fans of the vault and the idea of getting cards to and from people, buying and selling them like in an instant, like Starstuck was that was their idea, the premise. Why did they fail? Because I I still think the premise was a great idea, and I think a lot of people do, and they agree. They all thought." That Starstock's idea was great. Um, they think that the base kind of killed them and probably a few other operational issues. Uh, I, I tend to agree with that. I just don't know why they had to fail this hard. <laughs> like in once they've once they failed, like do what's right for your customer because they're not completely out of business, right? They're still doing like a big NFT thing, but handle your current customers first and then go after that. You know, that's that's the the stance, and I'm I'm sure I'm sugarcoating it a bit. Mike would be a little bit probably more passionate uh, at this point than than I would like to come across. Just because, again, maybe we do hate them, but I would like to at least give them an opportunity to speak first. So they're going to come on the show on Thursday. Action packed episode. Really looking forward to that. Um, again, UFC coming out. Uh, oh, one other thing before Jason's about to come on. There is a new release this Wednesday, April 6th, 2022 Panini Prism WWE. Um, I feel comfortable. Usually I let Mike do the, the releases or at least talk them up, but I feel comfortable knowing that he's probably not going to have a whole lot of detail. This is the first, this is the debut of the Prism brand 
with WWE. Um, really, really cool. I, I think I think it's cool, and I think the market is probably already pricing this as like a, a big deal because single box is going for nine hundred and fifty dollars. Um, little high, little high, but uh, nine hundred and fifty dollars. Uh, maybe this is like another one of those. You know, when F1 came out, granted, that was the first product of its uh, altogether. So it's probably not going to be quite that big by any means. But um, the first Prism product could be pretty big. So uh, if you can get your hands on it, maybe this is one one of those that's more of a, a break or uh, possibly I would take a chance at like just holding one of these um, as an investment. But, you know, the 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 caveat to that is we do know now that fanatics is going to be the new WWE in the next few years, but that doesn't mean until then this won't continue to rise in value. So we, this is one that I say take a chance on, but don't take a huge shit. I wouldn't buy a case personally. That's, that's just me speaking. When Mike comes back, we'll see. Maybe he has a different opinion, but uh, that would be my take on it. It does look, there's a little confusion, especially I'm looking at blowout. There's one spot that says the box break has one autograph, but then there's another that says look for two autographs. So not 100% sure uh, which which one it is, but you're definitely, it sounds like going to get at least one autograph. So there you go. That's a positive. Um, let me see. I've got a message. Jason's in the waiting room. Okay, cool. So guys, let's go ahead and bring Jason on back to the show. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Jesse. Oh, there he is. The man, the myth, the legend. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. You know, you, you put on such an entertaining show that we don't think once in a week's span is enough. We need you on two times, buddy. That's how well, much I, we enjoyed the content. How I are you? I appreciate that. I'm good. I mean, I have not much has changed for me since I was on four <laughs> days ago. Um, thank you for being so down to come so quickly. I was actually, so we were going to try and get card letter on, but um, I kind of referenced this at the, the top of the show that there's some sickness. Mike is sick. And apparently a lot of us got sick from uh, being at the mint and, that is one of the reasons why they can't come on the show because they are also sick. So thank right. you for not okay. going to uh, Vegas and getting sick this last week because I don't know who else I was going to have such short notice. So that's great. It, the Atlantic Ocean is a really good like <laughs> disease <laughs> disease barrier. It's a good barrier, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I I will say that we've gotten a ton of really positive reviews from last uh, episode. Thank you as always. Um, I'm curious before we jump into this, because I, I before we go into the F1 story uh, that you, you're going to give some a few details on where to, to focus. What is your take after coming on the show? Do you get like many more subscribers? Like, do, is there a jump in your listener base? Would you say? Yeah, definitely. No, um, each time I've come on the show, um, the your community has reacted so positively. Uh, to it. And we always get people messaging. We have people now that I know listen to both shows. Um, so, so I got a message from somebody recently who said, I listen to Sports Card Nonsense. I listen to Soccer Cards United. But my favorite is when uh, Jason goes on Sports Card Nonsense and talks to, to Mike and Jesse and that that dynamic because it's like a crossover event. Yeah. Um, so we always get a lot of positive feedback. And in Good. fact, last time I was here, I advertised a break that I was doing. Oh yeah, and your your people took like eight of the eleven available spots. Oh really? That's awesome. I bet. Yeah. Give it enough time, they probably would have taken all of them. Um, <laughs> that so kind of to that point, the influence that uh, you coming on the show and us talking about it has. So one of the products that we were talking about, well, two of the products we talked about was uh, the 2016-17 Panini Select Soccer Hobby Box. And yeah. then the other one was the 2020-2021 Topps Chrome uh, Sapphire, Champions League Sapphire Edition. Mm -hmm. So I had those tabs pulled up from the show last Thursday. Uh, they were going, so the cheapest I could find them were on was on StockX um, on their website. The Select was going for like $6.59 for a buy now. And the Sapphire was going for $5.84 for a buy now. So I actually bought one of the Sapphire boxes. Um, okay. I, I bought one of the Sapphire because you, I think you even mentioned like if you could find it for less than 700, definitely do it. And I said, yeah, well, that's less than 700. I took out my fingers and toes and counted it up. And I, I went ahead and made the purchase since then those boxes have started going up it, it, on their specific site. It has gone up. They're now selling for uh, well over $600. So not not a huge increase, but the 2016-17 Panini Select product. Yes. I don't know if you have seen like what prices were and what they are now. So it was $6.59 when we first started talking about it. They are mm -hmm. now selling to upwards of $800. Wow. 
like in just those last few days, I do feel bad uh, in the sense of like, we we're not trying to pump any prices up and I'm definitely not dumping my product anytime soon. Um, no. But it is interesting to see the, the effect that that has on the market. Yeah. I, I don't have any Panini select 2016, 17 really. And um, because it's just too hard to get in Europe. And I was, after I came on the show and I had kind of like, spent so much time talking about it that I was sitting there afterwards going, maybe I'll just buy some boxes mm -hmm. at like, you know, maybe $750. And now they're up over, over 800. So that's, I mean, that's great. <laughs> I think that's right. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm happy to hear it as just, yeah. So I, I wasn't trying to pump those products, but I'm oh, glad no. that I don't think people you have responded positively. Well, and I think the, in fact, blowout, that's like one of the cheaper prices. Blowout has both of those boxes at $900 each. So yeah. Mm. Um, not that we are being promoted by StockX, but they're cheaper there. Go there first. There you go, guys. Oh, yeah. uh, and Michael, Michael Giuseffi is calling us. Oh, it's a live call. -in. Yeah, there's a live call in. All right. Hang on one second. Uh, Michael Giuseffi, welcome to the Sports Boy Podcast. How the heck are you, buddy? How appalled am I going to be when I listen to this thing tomorrow? Well, you tell me. Guess who joined us for this episode today? Bill Simmons. JJ John Stramski. Wrong again. JJ's here. No, Jason Flynn's with us. How are you? This is on the podcast. This is good. This is perfect. Yeah, good to see you. What are you doing, Colin? You know that Jason was joining us. You know that we're recording the podcast. How are you? How are you feeling? Oh, so good. I can't even breathe. What did you talk about? What was the opening segment today? Uh, opening segment is we did a little bit of a review of what's going on. There was some banter. We talked a little bit about Starstock. We, I did, talked a little bit about Starstock. We talked about you upcoming Scott? episodes. No. So I haven't even told you this. Scott did text me back. I, first off, let me apologize to Jason for taking up. Is this an on-air production meeting this or is, is this the show? On, this is the show. This is all <laughs> part of the show, Jason. Um, Scott from Starstock is going to be coming on the show on Thursday uh, to talk with us. So we have, so we have three two guests, guests and, and Scott on Thursday. It's going to be an action-packed show, which I've already talked about with our, our dear audience. So I, I'm going to let you go. I think you're doing a killer job. I have to go. I really appreciate that. Feel better. Okay. Bye, bud. See you, bud. Bye, Jason. Bye, Mike. I want to go ahead and apologize. To you, Jason, and the audience for that. You don't deserve that. Um, Jason. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. That, that's kind of the review of last week's episode. Uh, there hasn't been anything breaking in the, the soccer or football world since then. Okay. Uh, no, not really. No, the Champions League, the UEFA Champions League is back this week. But if you want to hear more about that, you can always listen to my podcast. All right. Take it. Wow. You can plug at the end, Jason. Pump the brakes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. F1. Yes. As someone who has watched a few episodes of the F1 series on Netflix, how, how deep in do I need to go further to actually understand what's happening? Like how long does it take to really get involved? Cause I watched a couple episodes. Everyone's like, Oh, you're going to be hooked. I did enjoy it, but I wasn't like hooked. So I feel like I am more into soccer at this point and I'm growing in my interest in knowledge of soccer, but my F1, I don't know. It's just kind of hard for me to get into as easy. Uh, what would you, what are your thoughts? Yeah. So um, I find that the best way to get into F1 is to um, basically 
decide on some Grand Prix. So the Australian Grand Prix is coming up uh, uh, next week. Mm-hmm. And so, or the weekend. And so the best thing to do is to say, right, we have three days. And we have a practice day on Friday. We have a qualifying day on Saturday. And we have a race day on Sunday. That's the, the structure of a Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. Um, so the best thing to do is to decide in advance that you're going to tune in. I don't mean physically watch anything live, but that you're going to just keep your ears open for what's going on um, on, on a particular Grand Prix weekend. Okay. And that way, you know, you, you follow the, the Twitter accounts you need to follow. Wait, I have to follow Twitter accounts to get into a well, sport? you can just a couple of accounts, okay. just like, you know, a couple of commentators or, or journalists or, you know, F1 people. Follow them and then kind of just at the on the Friday, see how practice is going, see how everybody's car is, is, is going. Um, and then on the Saturday, just kind of tune in. And then on the race day, mm-hmm. I mean, the race might only take, it's only a couple of hours. It's a lot of buildup. There's a lot of fluff around it, okay. um, which a lot of people that aren't, like a lot of casual fans like me, you know, a lot of it's very technical and you kind of spend a lot of time going like, I wonder if they're going to show any celebrities that came to the race because I don't know about oh, this car stuff. Okay. Um, but if you decide to tune into one full arc of a race weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, then um, you have an idea of the structure. And once you have an idea of the structure, it becomes easier and easier to pay attention to because less of it is noise and more of it is, oh, it's a Friday. They're doing you know, they're practicing. Oh, it's a Saturday yeah. to qualify. I wonder who's in pole position. I wonder who's on pole two, which you'll hear people call it P2, P3. Gotcha. Um, and that kind of thing. So just pick one weekend and say, no, you know, Wait. if I don't like it, it doesn't matter, but I'm going to pay attention and see what happens. And chances are some really dramatic stuff will happen. Okay. And you'll latch on to one story. Line. That's what I'm trying to figure out. Is there draw like, is there like nail biting action going on? And there's like where, cause I, I guess my, my thought in a race is I just go back to NASCAR and it's just like, circles and i know this is better than that like at least when i was watching a few episodes of that f1 series it did pique my interest as far as the racing go went but there were sometimes where it's just like someone was like so far in the lead or there was like an error or their their car broke down and then it just like it seemed like oh well now the race is kind of over like the the two guys who are neck and neck their car just one guy's car broke down and now it's like Oh, it's over. That guy obviously is out. And so I think that's where it kind of lost me, where it could happen in a split second where there's no longer a, a nail biting finish. It's just like, oh, he's out. And the other guy obviously is winning. Yeah. I mean, the stories tend to evolve over um, over months and over the course of a season, as opposed mm-hmm. to, I mean, obviously every race has moments and some races have huge moments of drama. Um, it could be a particular overtake. It could be car to car contact. And that the, you know, stewards have to make a decision on as to whether it was illegal or not, all that kind of stuff. Um, But that's where watching Drive to Survive comes in. So if you um, found you're watching a couple of episodes of Drive to Survive and you couldn't really get into it, if you go and spend the time watching one or two races and then go back to Drive to Survive, then all of a sudden you're going like, oh, that's who that guy was. Or, oh, right, I see. Okay. Obviously, Drive to Survive is a year behind. So you're watching Drive to Survive this season, you're talking about the 2021 season, and other races you're watching this weekend, for instance, for the 2022 season, but it just starts to contextualize it because it's hard to suddenly just plonk yourself in the middle of it and go, oh yeah, okay, I know him, I know him, I know her, I know this. Gotcha. So um, yeah. Okay, so then so with that being said, I I, because we've never actually talked F1 on the show, and usually when we talk about a sport that we haven't talked about uh, in the past, there's a good size of our audience that is not as into it. So I just kind of want to paint the picture of how 
how someone who's not into the sport could get into it. That being the case, notice I did not say that being said, um, where do guys go in the hobby for this product and who are the chase guys? Because obviously right. Hamilton, I think everyone knows the name Hamilton, but yep, kind of break, break it down from there. Is he still the top guy and who, who after him, if not? So I have a little kind of brief history here. It's just going to take two or three minutes of F1 hobby throughout the years. I'll allow so, it. So um, <laughs> watch myself. <laughs> counselor. Uh, in 2021, we had the first hobby release of uh, Formula One. So by Tops. So this is Tops Formula One, and that mm-hmm. was 2020 Chrome. So again, it's it's a few months delayed from the end of the previous season. So 2020 Chrome uh, Formula One was the first Tops hobby product. And then we also had uh, F1 Sapphire for 2020. And we had Dynasty. Now, Dynasty had patch autos, all that stuff, you know, one card per box, mm-hmm. very, very ultra premium uh, relics and all that stuff. Um, and race-worn material. So you had 2020 Chrome, you had 2020 Sapphire, and your 2020 Dynasty. They very quickly became kind of unicorn boxes. Like they are... Yeah. Well, and that was partially because they didn't overpopulate the market too with all this, right? Oh, it was a super low print run. Okay. uh, Compared to any other sport because they were were easing their way into it. Formula One were particularly conservative, not just for cards, but across the board. Mm -hmm. They're particularly conservative... uh, you know, with their with their intellectual property, they mm-hmm. don't want you to just go and make a mockery of it by by having loads of cards that don't sell. Yeah, and also F one Formula One racing is a collector sport already. Almost every F one fan that I know has a a cap that they wear of their team, or has like a lanyard that they got at a race, or has some little you know diecast model of a car or something. Like it's already a, a fan base built. Okay. for collectability. Mm-hmm. So it's because races and race teams generate an awful lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an awful lot of paraphernalia related to it. Okay. So that all of a sudden, when they, when they had these autos and they had these cards, a lot of F1 collectors who weren't necessarily into the hobby before went like, oh, now there's these and they have pictures and signatures of my favorite yeah. drivers. Bam. So the market just couldn't handle the, the supply, couldn't handle the demand and prices shot up and have kept going up since then. Now, so yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, those cases are going for isn't it like fifty something thousand dollars for the 2020 uh, top yeah. Chrome. That's yeah. absolutely insane. Uh, so this kind of raises a question before you go on any uh, much further. There are only is it only like eleven different? There's ten teams and then there's F two. Is that like kind of how they break up the the series? Yeah. So one of the reasons why this why this sport is so uh, popular now in the hobby. And one, for instance, why breakers really like it is because it's very simple. Mm-hmm. There are there are 10 teams and there's a Formula 2 spot. So Formula 2, just for people that don't know, is the next division of racing down. It's technically a different sport. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, a lot of gra- drivers graduate from F2 to F1. It's the last step before you become an F1 driver. Are those like um, rookie or prospects? Is that how that's viewed in that product? Like if you pull one of those and they suddenly do well? It's kind of a pre-rookie. I can talk about that a little bit when I talk about this year's products. It's a bit okay. of a controversial thing right now. But um, so you have your 10 drivers and each driver, uh, or sorry, you have your 10 teams and each team has two drivers. Mm-hmm. So from time to time, one driver will be sick or injured and they'll call in a, a backup driver or you know they'll promote an F2 uh, driver into F1 for the weekend or whatever that happens. And we have tops now cards that cover that kind of thing. 
But so you had 2020. Now, there had been F1 cards in kind of fits and starts before in 1992. There's a set called 1992 Grid, okay. which features the Michael Schumacher uh, rookie card. Now, Michael Schumacher is kind of considered by many as the, great, the greatest racing driver of all time. Um, him and uh, him and Lewis Hamilton have the same number of world championships, seven, oh, most wow. of anybody. And but is so Schumacher still in or is he retired? No, he he's retired, yeah, and okay. actually at the moment uh, he he suffered a bit of an accident. But his, his son his son drives in in F one now. Mick Mick Schumacher. Oh, okay. Um, so the nineteen ninety two grid is an important one just historically, and then two thousand and six Futera, who people may know of, make kind of soccer cards and stuff. Futera had this collection called Grand Prix, very limited print run in Asia and in Australia, and the Lewis Hamilton card, which is kind of his rookie, I mm-hmm. guess from 2006 for Terra Grand Prix in a PSA 9 recently sold for $300,000. So that is the record for an F1 card right now. Yeah. I believe that record's probably going to be broken before too long, but yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And that was only PSA 9. So in theory, if there's a PSA 10 of that out there, who knows? Um, There was only very few of those made. And at the time, obviously the hobby was not anywhere near F1. So a lot of those would have just been opened and thrown in, you know, drawers or down the back of couches and all that stuff. Wow. Um, so then you kind of skip ahead then to 2020 to, to uh, uh, Topps Chrome, Formula One. And it's almost like it's everybody's rookie card, mm-hmm. even though there are a couple of rookies. Like, So there are a couple of drivers that have an RC logo, and then there's loads of drivers who don't have an RC logo, but for whom it is considered the rookie card, like the likes of Charles Leclerc, who drives for Ferrari. Um, so then this year they released 2021 so for last season mm-hmm. and they introduced more more products so you have your still have your tops chrome we presume we're going to get sapphire we don't have announced it yet okay and then you have chrome light which features exclusive parallels but no autograph chance and then you have a flagship product a paper product which is just 2021 uh tops formula one racing and that came in retail and hobby configurations and had some uh you know, relics in there as well. Although the authenticity or the race-worn nature of the relics was up for debate. So that one's more um, maybe like for the guys who can't afford the exactly five thousand yeah. so, dollar box or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So gotcha. like twenty twenty Chrome became completely uh, cost prohibitive for ninety nine percent of collectors very a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And then this flagship opportunity was an opportunity for people to come in and get actually product in hand and open it and. That's been a major contributing factor to the to the uptick in interest because it was on shelves as well because it had a retail um, configuration. I've I've noticed too that the 2020 box like on blowout right now there's it's forty five hundred dollars for the tops chrome and the top the 2021 tops chrome is I mean it's still high but not nearly as high at twelve fifty. It the do you think that the interest has died down or it was simply the fact that it was the first ever product well first what many in the hobby are considering the first ever real product for Formula One, um, that those mm. prices are so high and the fact that it was so limited. Um, or do you, would you consider $1,250 for a box of 2021 a good investment? Well, I think there's a couple of things going on. Obviously, 2020 has an almost mythical status now. Yeah. You know, it is kind of like the, your 86 Fleer or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. like it's mythical status. It it contains everyone's rookie, <laughs> you know, it's like an unbelievable box. And that is kind of a, as you know, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more people hype it up, yep. the higher the boxes go. 
and it kind of just becomes this otherworldly thing. So 2021 doesn't have that X factor, partly because um, we have so many more different configurations. We have, you know, racing, we have just the flagship, we have Chrome light, mm-hmm. um, all that stuff. And also there is an ongoing debate as to F1 rookies because, so this year's product has RC logos for uh, Yuki Tsunoda and Mick Schumacher. So they have an RC. Now they're both in 2020 mm-hmm. as oh. F2 drivers. Oh, okay. Interesting. So the debate right now is what's the rookie? Is it the first card from F2 or is that a pre-rookie? Or are we saying that when somebody enters F1, their first year in F1 is an RC? And even if they've been in F1 product before, it doesn't yeah. matter unless they're an F1 RC. So that's kind of something that's going to be decided. And if, for instance, the market was to come down heavily on the 2021 side of that debate, and let's say Mick Schumacher or Yuki Sonoda have a great season or even have one great race, then 2021 will start to, to balance out. But it's so hard when you think of it like 2020 is always going to be worth multiples of 2021 because it is the first set. It's historic. Yeah, exactly. Um, I So I guess that kind of gets me that that has been a thing with other with tops and baseball products. I think was it like Wander Franco and his rookie card, like the RC being on there? Like, is that actually his RC or is there another card that's considered their rookie card? What is the, do you know what the general take in the hobby is right now? As far as like our guys, should they chase after the F2 series or the RC card? Well, I mean, it's, let's move to just a different example because it's the same problem, but it's a slightly different example. So mm-hmm. there is a driver um, who drives for Alfa Romeo this season uh, called Guan Yu Zhao. And Zhao is the first ever Chinese Formula One driver. Oh, okay. So he was uh, kind of considered by a lot of people to be someone that was in and around uh, F1 because of the, the desire within F1 and within F1 teams to secure Chinese expansion and Chinese funding. And so it's very important to have a Chinese poster boy in the sport and was kind of underestimated by a lot of people. And he's been in F2 for a number of years. And um, then this year he gets promoted to F1. Actually, he was promoted um, and advertised as being the new Alfa Romeo F1 driver in China. And the guy who he replaced, who was doesn't have an F1 seat this year, his name is Antonio Giovanazzi. He found out that he wasn't racing for Alfa Romeo next year because someone sent him a picture of a billboard in China featuring the new guy as what? an F1 driver. That's how he found out. Wow. That's how he found out. But so there was a kind of a lot of skepticism around uh, Zhao. He's come in. So when we have Topps Chrome Formula One 2022, which will be out, I presume, in 2023, he'll have an RC logo in an Alfa Romeo uniform. But he'll have two years of F2 F2 cards cards. under his belt. And his uh, one-of-one portrait card, so like his one-of-one, like his main card from 2020, just went for $70,000. Wow. So... If you base it on that, I don't think the one of one from, I don't think that one of one is going to be worth less than his one of one RC. The RC, yeah, a, I agree. It'll be a third year card. It'll be a, an F1 RC, but it'll be a third year card. So yeah, that's kind of the, probably the most instructive example. As I imagine, it'll, it'll come down to if you have the one of one or the one of five or the one of 10 of the first card. Yep. But maybe it might be that your normal stuff, your refractors and all that, the difference between those would be more yeah. muddy. 
You know? Okay. No, I, I, I appreciate the clarification on it too, because that's, that's one thing where I'm, I wasn't sure like if I'm buying, cause I bought into a break, um, uh, on the app that Mike and I and a few others have been helping to create. I don't know how much I'm talking about that. Actually, now that I realize how much can I talk about? Never mind. But besides that fact, I brought into uh, <laughs> this break that, uh, Eddie over at GL breaks was doing over the weekend. And I felt bad. Like I wanted, I wanted in because I wanted to get, you know, uh, Hamilton or Max Verstappen or however Max you pronounce Verstappen, it. Yeah. yeah. Um, those were the two that I knew. And all I knew was like, oh, I don't want F2. Like, I was just like, that's the one that probably isn't worth anything. But apparently that is incorrect thinking like F2 still can be viewed as a lot of guys, rookie cars, or at least it sounds like the value of their, their F2 card probably won't go down when they come out with a, a rookie card. Yeah. Especially if you're looking at, if it's, if it's autographs and another interesting thing for this year versus last year. So 2020 Tops Chrome and Sapphire both grade horribly. They just had terrible quality mm-hmm. control. And which is another reason why the boxes are so high because the pops are all low. You know, you're talking about PSA sevens selling into tens of thousands because there just isn't anything better. That kind of thing. You know? Yeah. And um, so if you pull a Lewis Hamilton autograph or you a Max Verstappen autograph or something from 2020, you're going to have a hard time getting a high grade on that more than likely. Gotcha. If you pull a Hamilton from 2021, it's probably going to gem or it's going yeah. to get a nine. Yeah. Um, so that means that 2021 has that because now it's not just, do you want this card or this card? It's do you want this card raw or do you want this card in a seven or do you want this card? It's a year later. But it's a 10. But you're going to get a 10. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, mm. Okay. This has all been super valuable information, but tell, give me the breakdown. Who am I chasing? Uh, is it still Hamilton and Max top two? And even if it is, who else am I chasing? Like who's an underdog or who's an up and comer, whatever you want to call it, that that we think could do well this year or next year? Yeah. So for me, um, the thing to focus on, right now is the resurgence of Ferrari. So last year we had a, last year being 2021, being the the year that this current set covers, Mm -hmm. we had an epic battle for the world championship between Lewis Hamilton, who was trying to get his eighth world title, which would be the most of anyone, would make him kind of the undisputed GOAT um, in a lot of people's eyes. He'd be better than Schumacher? Schumacher, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. So, um, So that was against Verstappen, who is the young up-and-comer. You know, he's a pugnacious guy. He's got huge support. He's mm-hmm. from uh, Holland. And he's driving for Red Bull, and he's very aggressive, and people kind of either love him or hate him. Yeah. And um, so that was an epic battle. It came all the way down to the, the last race. There was a huge controversy in the last race. That's all covered in Drive to Survive uh, for, for last year. Um, and the idea was that this year... Verstappen won the World Championships. This year, Hamilton's going to come roaring back and Verstappen's going to try and kick on and win his second title and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, Ferrari, who Michael Schumacher, most famously, most iconically kind of drove for Ferrari. Ferrari are kind of the iconic F1 team. Mm -hmm. They have the iconic red car and it's just like, you know, they're kind of like Brazil at the World Cup in soccer. They just, everyone knows them. Everyone, even if you don't support them, you have like a kind of an affection for them. Okay. And... So Ferrari had a pretty bad season last season because what they decided was every year um, the regulations change Mm -hmm. for the car. So the car is always slightly different. You build a new car every year. Mm -hmm. And so Ferrari said, forget about uh, 
forget about 2021. We don't care. We're going to sacrifice that. Guys, if you get a podium, if you finish first, second, or third, if you get some points on the board, we're super happy with you. Don't worry about it. We're focusing on 2022. So we've had a situation now where in the opening two races of the year, um, you had the first race, uh, Ferrari finished first and second. Mm-hmm. And you had the second race where I think they finished second and third. Oh, wow. And those two drivers are Charles Leclerc and uh, Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Okay. So uh, Charles Leclerc is from Monaco and uh, Carlos Sainz is uh, Spanish. And those guys are people I'd focus on this year. So Charles Leclerc, his values are going to be much higher at the end of the season than they were at the start. He has a very good chance at winning the world title. Ferrari at least have a very good chance at winning what they call the Constructors' Championship, which is like a driver wins the the Drivers' Championship Mm -hmm. and a team wins the Constructors' Championship. So... Ferrari drivers, uh, Charles Leclerc from 2020 is obviously in a Ferrari uh, uh, uniform. And Carlos Sainz's uh, rookie card is from McLaren. He used to drive for McLaren. Oh, okay. Um, So Sainz and Leclerc are two guys that I see having a really good season that aren't called Max Verstappen or Lewis Hamilton. Okay. Um, Now they're someone to watch out for. So you think they are going to perform the, the best? Is there anybody who has like a lot of like a hype train building behind them besides them? Uh, George Russell. George Russell was is a young uh, English driver who drove for Williams. So Williams is a British uh, Formula One team. And he's in a Williams uniform in 2020, which is his RC, and then 2021. And he just then, this year, he's not driving for Williams. He's driving for Mercedes. Oh, okay. So he's Lewis Hamilton's new teammate. Oh, wow. So the talk was always, okay, who's going to get the seat next to Hamilton when yeah. uh, Valtteri Bottas, who was driving with Hamilton previously, Valtteri Bottas is leaving Mercedes. Who's going to fill the seat? Who's going to be Lewis Hamilton's teammate? Yep. Because again, the narrative coming into this season was it's going to be Red Bull versus Ferrari again. Gotcha. Oh, sorry, it was gonna, no, sorry, it's going to be Red Bull versus Mercedes again, which Ferrari kind of broke up. So Russell is a young English driver. Um, you know, As you know, the UK is a growing hobby market. And there's a lot of hype around him. And now he's in a Mercedes car. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge expectation uh, there for him. So I would say Russell and uh, Charles Leclerc are the two that I see having a good season, assuming Mercedes can get the car back in contention. Okay. So just to clarify, before when we said there are 10 teams, there's two drivers per team, right? Is that the... Yep. So essentially in every race, there's 20 different drivers. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um I have a question. Is F1 considered more of like a rich man sport? Like it, is it because we obviously see what they've done to prices in the, the hobby card as far as cards go. Yeah. I just want to know, like, is what's the expectation for growth in this sport? Because I think it's really cool. I, I think it's a lot of fun, but it does seem that every time I've watched any F1, it's like, you know, everyone's got a martini and a monocle mm-hmm. and a top hat on, you know, like it yeah. just seems like this isn't Joe Schmo's sport. And I, I just wanted to, if I'm going to really invest in something, I want to hope that there's going to be a lot more growth. And if it's only for like, you know, the, the wealthiest of the wealthy, I don't know how much interest can really be gained over a long period of time. Well, this is, this is the, this is the conversation that they've been having in F1 for the last 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. um, it is, it is a rich man sport. It is the domain of the fabulously wealthy, you know, they, they race in, you know, in Bahrain in Saudi Arabia, in um, Miami, in, in Monaco, in Spain, it's all very, 
glamorous. I mean, they just announced that next season they're racing in Vegas. So they're going to have a Las Vegas GP. It's going to be the third um, GP Grand Prix in in the USA. And like they're literally going to use the the Vegas Strip is going to be the straight on the track. Oh, wow. That so that'd be an interesting race to watch for sure. It's gonna be like it's gonna be amazing <laughs> yeah. to pull it off. So that's the thing that they're looking at that and they're going like people see us as like we're just living in this cloistered world in an ivory tower of super high precision engineering mm-hmm. and you know it's it's champagne and it's this and it's that. That's where Drive to Survive came in. Yeah, Drive to Survive has been widely lauded as the most successful piece of content marketing ever. Really, because. It's taken what seemed like a completely opaque, you know, uh, incomprehensible. You have to have millions of dollars even to get a seat at the table mm-hmm. um, sport. And all of a sudden, it's you can sit at home on your couch. You don't have to understand the sport. Yeah. And you can look at the drivers and go, oh, yeah, that, there's Danny Rick or there's Lando or, or there's Lewis, you know, and they're just they're just normal guys. Sure. I, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, and, I agree with that. I did. I, that is the only time I've ever felt like, oh, I think I could it, like, like I said, it didn't completely grab me, but it's not like one of those things where I wouldn't go back. If I had more time in my day, I would go back and watch it. It's just, it's one yeah, of those yeah. where, you know, I, I thought it was really cool, but I also realized, oh, there's, I'm watching the first season. There's like three or four seasons of it. It's like, I don't know how, if I have the time to dedicate to it, but I agree with you. It did definitely open me up to it. Because it just makes it, it makes it a human drama. And that's what was missing from Formula One, I feel, was it just became like, it's kind of this traveling circus for the super rich mm-hmm. and it's paid to play and you can buy a seat. If you don't have to be a particularly good driver, you can, if, you're, if your dad will fund the team, yeah. you can have a seat and all that. And that's very much as it has been. But now Formula One, I will say this, Formula One are super hyper aware of that problem, of that perception. Are they? Okay. And that's why they're trying to expand the sport and get it in front of people as, as much as possible. You know, that's whether cool. it be the, you know, we've had Formula E, which is the, it's like, E stands for electric, it's electric cars, it's electric supercars racing. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, for the FIA have started, it's the, the association that runs racing. Mm-hmm. They've started a Formula W as well, which is a women's, uh, series. So people say we're not that far away from having our first female F1 driver. Oh, wow. Um, cool. So, you know, because t- in, in in theory, there's no reason why, not, not in theory, in practice, there's no reason why a woman couldn't race in Formula One. Well, when Danica you know? Patrick started racing for NASCAR, I just, I remember like I had, I had no interest in NASCAR. Really haven't since then, but I remember like, I don't know, that was a big deal. And I actually paid a little bit of attention at that time. So yeah, like, and I know, I know just as a, an outsider, I'm familiar with like the perception of NASCAR as it's, it's on the big track and you go and it's all the bleachers and it's, mm-hmm. you can kind of just, you know, bring You're it just hoping for a crash there, hang man. Out and watch it and whatever. Yeah. You don't care and, anything but a crash. That's, oh, you know, exactly. I apologize. And, yeah, I don't mean to offend crashes anybody. And you go like, you go, oh, like, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, and with F1, the TV coverage has always been, you're in the paddock, you're, you know, there's celebrities walking around the track and you're, you know, one of their team principals, Christian Horner, who runs Red Bull, he's married to Jerry Halliwell from the Spice Girl. Oh, yeah. No. Ginger so, Spice. Like, That's exactly, awesome. <laughs> all, very, all very glamorous. But like the thousands of Dutch fans that travel around the world uh, watching Max Verstappen race, you know, they're not millionaires and billionaires. They're just... Sure. They're just Dutch kind of Joe Schmoes. So um, 
they they're aware of that problem. They are working on it, and I think they're making progress. Okay, one last question, F one related, um, because I did say this was going to be like fifteen to twenty minutes, and we're pushing thirty minutes, which is awesome. Thank you. You're a great guy, Jason. Really appreciate you. Um, question on the cards that are not the the racers, like the ones that are of the cars, the one that are like the coaching team. Is there really any value in those? Yeah, yeah, you'd be surprised. Really? Okay. Um, I mean, like, there's, there's, okay, there's not huge value, but mm-hmm. it's not a, it's not a case of the driver's cards are worth, you know, thousands of thousands, and and the team principles are worth nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that is due to this, to stuff like Drive to Survive, because, like, for instance, if I say the name Gunther Steiner, he, he runs Gunther? racing. Gunther Steiner. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. I'm sorry. He's the he's the team principal for Haas, and like people out there, oh, I okay. know, know him from Drive to Survive because he's like a weird, funny character. Oh, who okay. curses a lot and gets animated, and then you see them, you know. So, like, as I say, it's a collector sport, and if you can't, if you're a big Mercedes fan, and you can't afford Lewis Hamilton cards, you can't afford George Russell cards, mm-hmm. but you want to have a Lewis Hamilton collection and a Toto Wolf, who's the team principal for Mercedes, a Toto Wolf uh, car autograph comes up for auction. There's, there's a collector base. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Guys trying to complete a set or anything like that. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Anything else we didn't touch on F1 that you feel like we need to say before we, we no, I don't, I don't think combo? so. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I'm not a, a complete expert on it by any means. It's, it's relatively new to me as well. As I say, it's only a two year old uh, sport in terms of the hobby. Um, but I, but think- I would just say to everyone, like I've kind of been on a journey with F1 over the last couple of years uh, a lot of my friends are really into it and I've gotten into it as a casual fan and it's not a judgmental sport. It's not some, it's something you can sit down and watch and it will be perfectly comprehensible because ultimately yeah. it's just guys racing each other in cars. I appreciate that. Especially as someone new to any, really any, every sport, but um, yeah, I, I appreciate watching a game on TV and them explaining it in a way that doesn't make me feel like an idiot. Cause they're saying 20 different terms I've never heard of. So uh, if that's if that's the case, I will give the next airing of a race. I will give it a shot. You said the next one is Australia this weekend. This weekend? Yeah. Okay. In Melbourne. Yeah. Um, awesome. Jason, as always, yes. absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. I'm sorry. Meat couldn't be here. Um, but <laughs> um, but this the the John and Jason show has been very <laughs> pleasurable to me. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Jesse. I will. Um, oh, by the way, I just mentioned that. Oh, please. Uh, now plug, plug anything. Go. I'm from a podcast called Soccer Cards United, <laughs> which you can find wherever you get podcasts. And also that break that I mentioned, you guys help us sell out. We're doing that uh, tomorrow, uh, Tuesday, the 5th of April. It's happening at 11 p.m. Irish time, which I believe is 6 p.m. in New York and 3 p.m. in L.A. That's so, the F1 break that you already you've already sold all the spots for. Already sold all spots. I'm okay. not plugging people to buy spots. I'm just saying. If you want to check it, it out. Uh, because we're going to have one of our friends, uh, uh, Alex Fay, who is a huge F1 head. And he's going to be with us providing expert kind of color commentary and telling you all the bits that that I'm too stupid to remember. Where do you break at? Uh, we're going to do it live on Twitch and on Instagram at the same time. You know what? I don't. Has Mike ever talked to you or has anyone on our side ever talked to you about you guys doing breaks for us on an no, app? Sir you're going to have a conversation with us very soon. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, you, know, you know how to reach me. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great one. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. All right, bye-bye. bye-bye. Guys, Jason Flynn, Sports Cards United. 
Soccer Cards United, excuse me. Um, man, what a pleasure it is to speak with him. I literally, like I said, I was trying to get Card Letter on, found out they were sick, but didn't find out till later in the, the morning. He was willing to jump on an hour before we started um, and spoke very knowledgeably. Uh, I appreciate that. And I hope you guys did too. That was great. I continue to try and get into these other sports besides basketball, football, in NBA. So at least one of us can talk a little bit about it for you guys, even when we don't have a specialist on. So I'm, I'm going to continue to do that as well as the soccer and WWE. Maybe, I don't know. I, I think my main focus right now is F1 and in soccer for the most part. Um, but there you go. Hope that was a, a educational. That being said, I think that takes us all the way down to everyone's favorite segment. Mailbag. Guys, thank you so much for submitting your mailbag questions in the focus of Sports Boy. Um, I think most of you directed them in that case. If there are questions that are really mic focused, I apologize. I'm going to be skipping over those, but I'll try and give you a shout out either way. How about that? How, is that a good deal? Thanks. I assume you all said yes in your cars or where we were listening to this. All right. First question from the Facebook. Hang on. You know what? Give me a second. I got to clear my throat. As Mike always says, people love dead air. So thank you for allowing me to do that. Got a little water. All right. Back at it. From the Facebook. Ruben Mitchell wants to know, do you think what Logan Paul is doing with cards around his neck good is good or bad for the hobby? Some people are annoyed with him and some people love it. Thought? Um there's always going to be annoyed people by almost everything being done, but specifically that, especially anyone in the limelight, almost trying to show off, get attention. Um, but do I think that it's going to have a, a positive effect for maybe new people, um, especially because how big is his audience? Millions of uh, subscribers on over across social media and how many people are actually in the hobby right now of those subscribers, probably a very small fraction. So when they see that, are they going to gain a little interest to see why does he care about it? Why is he looking into it? And then when they start searching into it, are they going to find reputable sources for good information on sports cards or Pokemon cards or whatever the case may be? That is my hope. So I do think that we're probably going to consent. Uh, we're going to see hopefully good things that come from it, even if it came from a bad source. So that's my thought, Ruben. Thank you for the question. Um, let's see. Bam Nuju, that is a great question. That is a mic question. We're going to save that one. Uh, Ela Fishman, by the way, man, I, you've told me 20 times to pronounce your name uh, the certain way. I think it was Ilya. I hope I'm not butchering that. Mr. Fishman, though, asks, on, uh, oh, this is not really a question. On air, list the top five habits Mike has that you like and dislike specifics are always needed. Yeah. You know what? Mike's not here. Let's talk a little bit about Mike. I'm going to give you mainly all positive and I'm going to give you one negative. How about that? <sighs> wow. I really shot myself in the foot by already saying I was going to do this. I don't even know all the, all the positives. No, here's the thing. Mike is, and I've compl I've said this to his face and what's great is I can say this cause he's not here. He was born to do this job. Um, as far as being able to speak without having to write anything down, without having to make any serious notes, because it's almost like the feelings 
that are in him come out of his, just flow right out of his mouth so well that he doesn't have to write down the notes. It's just sometimes we, we struggle with saying what are is like in our hearts. That sounds so he would punch me in the face if he was here, but it's true. Like to get our feelings out of our mouth, like by communicating that is not an easy thing to do. Um, he's able to do that and convey his ideas in a way that is succinct and very fast. And I think that is, it's one of the most impressive things about him to me. So there, there's one aspect that I like, I'm not going to do five. You know what? That one was hard enough. I'm going to do two. One thing. Um, how about one thing? Dislike. Mike has a great mind for business and for ideas for growing things. However, sometimes I feel like it is almost to the point where I can't keep up with it. And this is not an act. This is probably more on me than anything. It's like, I want him to slow down because I want to keep pace. I want to go at the same pace as he is, but he has like so many different things. And I'm more of like the detail guys, a, a guy I'm like trying to come up with. Okay. That's a great idea to do a show like at this event center or whatever the case may be. But then I start thinking, what about all the other commitments we have? What about the details? How are we going to do this and that? And so I get bogged down with that and I can't really move forward as quickly. And so he's already moving on to the next thing and I'm stuck on the last one. So there you go, Mr. Fishman. Those are my habits of Mike that I like and dislike. Thank you very much for asking. John Boren, man, hang guys, hang on. <sighs> All this talking, like without having a break of Mike cutting in and commenting on how many times I've said, uh, or, um, or whatever else is kind of getting you get, get you out of breath. Ronick, how the heck are you doing? How's that kale salad, by the way? Oh, it's long gone. Oh, is it a long time ago. You know what? I'm really proud of you though. You have done such a great job today. Um, you've been there every time I've asked for you, you've unmuted immediately. I didn't even have to wait for you. I really appreciate it. Cause obviously going solo is not always the easiest thing. So thank you. No problem. How's it going by the, by, by the way, what do you think of the solo show? I think you're doing a great job. Stop it, Ronick. Uh, guys, that's Ronick spelled R O N A K. If you guys want to reach out to him, just search LinkedIn ringer Ronick. You'll find him. I'm sure. Ronick, are you okay with that? Okay. Uh, not entirely, but you've done it. So don't cut it. Don't you dare. Thanks Ronick. You're doing so good. All right. John Boren wants to know when does Mike, Oh, when does Mike start doing shows with one of his Brady rookies as a necklace? I can tell you confidently that Mike is a man who will do just about anything behind a microphone in front of a camera, he does not like to make a show. So that would almost never happen. But you know what? Never say never. Maybe we could, maybe we can get it, get him to do it at the national. How about that? Mike, I've just committed you. You, you have to say yes. There you go. Uh, Tony kid wants to know moving forward from the mint show. Do you think they will add national style booths for lower price cards and sellers to the show? Or will they keep it more high end and more B2B? So they are not, so they are not directly competing with the nationals. Uh, that's a solid question, Tony. It, you know, who knows what they will actually do, but in my humble opinion, I already know they're going to, there's going to be another show. Um, I may or may not know where it's going to be. I've been told that information has not been released yet. So not to say anything. Um, that being the case, I, I hope they continue to do it very similar to how they did this year. 
I just hope that it is, um, I hope that all sellers are aware of how that's going to be, because if they are going to bring on more sellers, um, it's like we've talked about before. It's not necessarily a, a huge selling market. It was really more of a business to business feel, but that was still a lot of fun. Like I think non sellers and buyers can still like, if you're a card enthusiast, I think you can still have a lot of fun at a show like that, especially because everyone was doing giveaways and stuff like that. So check it out uh, on the next mint show. Um, Michael Jessen, Jesse, who's your favorite Marvel character? Um, you know, that's a good question because I, I view it in two different ways. Like I do in just about everything in this hobby, I view it in who is my personal favorite and who is my favorite financially speaking. Um, my favorite financially speaking is Spider-Man. I think like Spider-Man is kind of the goat of the Marvel world, but he's not necessarily my favorite Marvel character. Um, I just know the popularity he has had and you can almost take that. Like if you guys want to have an idea for like who to collect, check out box office values of the movies that have already come out with those characters. You know, that is a good telltale sign of their fan base and how many potential buyers of their cards are out there and what they may spend on them. Uh, that being said, my favorite is probably going to be Iron Man just because I think it's like, he's the one of the very few Marvel characters where you're like, Oh, he could, you could actually be him if you were really rich in technology advanced far enough. Like, I don't think there's anybody who's going to develop superheroes. Maybe I don't know that for sure, but maybe that could happen. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Tony, uh, Tony Stark is probably one of the ones who's my favorite. It's similar to the DC universe. Cause I think Batman's my favorite over there. And it's again, I, I could be that guy. No, I couldn't. I didn't, I can't be Batman, but I could, I want to be someone who can fight crime and uh, solve mysteries and be a great detective. So there you go. Uh, thank you for the question. Michael Jessen uh, really coming off the rails here in, in mailbag. Um, that's a my question. That's a my question. Thank you, John Laveza and Jimmy Webb. We'll save those for later. Uh, let's go down to Zeppi Borelli. Man, killer name, Zeppi. With the upcoming Black Adam release, would the 1994 Skybox Master Series be a good pickup? Or is there another I should chase? So I actually did look into this a little bit. I went to, um, no, no sponsor. In fact, I just found out about them today. Trading card database. Um, it's tcdb.com and just looked into this. They have a ton of different comic cards on there, specifically black Adam. And it looks like that series. There was like one card made before that by DC comics. It looks like, um, back in like 1989 for black Adam. But the one you're talking about the Skybox uh, DC master series card number 41, in 1994 is his go-to, I guess you would say rookie card. So yeah, I think if you're going to collect, that is probably a good, uh, good place to start. And honestly, I would have probably said black Adams probably not. I don't know. I, I, I would have had the opinion. It wouldn't be as great, but if you didn't see Shazam, Shazam, Shazam was actually a really funny movie and it was like a huge hit. Um, I think that this could also be that, and you know, they're going to make movies with black Adam and Shazam and probably some other DC characters. So, um, yeah, maybe not a bad investment right now. Uh, Ernie Greco, what is JJ John Jastrzemski up to these days? 
You know, that's a good question. JJ? JJ John Strzemski. Okay. JJ, thanks, JJ. Thank you. Um, man, he's a good sport. Really appreciate JJ. Thank you, Ernie. Uh, Ro Hundel. One of the two best flips Jesse has accomplished since joining the hobby. <sighs> Have I had a good flip? Um, okay. I can think um, right off the top of my head was Barry Sanders and Kobe rookies back in like, but the, I feel like anybody could have done well back in, you know, the March, April timeframe of 2021. Cause that's about when I bought them. Um, and I bought them right before the market. I, I think actually I probably bought them in February, maybe January and then sold them. Um, I did not sell them at the height, but I sold them for about double what I purchased them for. So made, I think one was like 250 or something. And I made another maybe 500 bucks on the Kobe. Um, I can't remember the grading, but it, it wasn't like the top grading, of course. Uh, that, that being the case, I'm also finding myself it's really hard for me to get rid of cards being new to the hobby and wanting to collect. I feel like I'm really just kind of building that base collection up sometimes. Like I I've gotten some pretty cool cards and some nice ones. And sometimes I'm like, well, obviously maybe I should just go ahead and start getting rid of them. But at the same time, I feel like uh, I don't have a big enough card collection yet. And I don't want to start selling cards and then feel like I'm almost starting over with my collection. So uh, yeah, I haven't done a, a whole ton of flipping at this time, but if I did, I'll tell you, I'd probably go to PC sports cards to probably consign that puppy plug. There you go. You're welcome. Uh, um, let's see. Marshall McKeever. Are there any celebrity autographs not in circulation that you wish were uh, the big thing with celebrity autographs? So one it's finding the rookie of the celebrity autograph, right? Like you have to find, especially when we're talking about cards. Um, and sometimes it's not just that it's finding them. If they played a certain character, like I want, I don't care about if there's a Jason Alexander card, but I want the, uh, like an official George Costanza card signed by Jason Alexander. Like, I think that would be really cool. And I don't know, if there's really any official Seinfeld cards um, that, that are out there, at least that I'm aware of in a wider circulation. Uh, so things like that, like where it's an actual character, that is something I'd be more interested in. Um, like having Marty McFly, you know, uh, Michael J. Fox sign a Marty McFly card uh, or Christopher Lloyd signing a doc Brown card like those, that would be really, really cool to me though. I'm not sure what kind of circulation, if any, the, those are in right now. Um, man, I cannot believe we've gone over an hour here. Um, for everyone who enjoyed it, thank you. For everyone who didn't, I apologize. How about we do, I'll do like one more question. And I apologize because you guys threw a ton at me and I really appreciate the support. Um, I like this question. Eric Wiesenforth, also killer name, sports boy. Who would win in a fist fight, Vegas Dave or Mike Geo? Here is a fun fact about Mike Geo. Mike Geo is a very intimidating Boston man. Could he defend himself? I absolutely know he could. Um, I don't, he, he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't get himself into a fist fight. He is a very peaceable person at the same time. Passionate, but peaceable and pleasant. 
am pretty. All right. That's the end of the show. I can't do it anymore. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening to this hodgepodge of an episode. I think it went uh, uh, pretty well. I think Ronick would say it went well, whether it did or not. So I'm not 100% if I can trust him, but I still enjoy him very much, even though he loves kale. Um, Mike, we're thinking about you. Hope everything goes okay back home in Boston. And we will look forward to seeing you on Thursday show. Don't forget Thursday show is going to be a banger of an episode. Absolute 100. That is no cap. I'm using all the hip lingo. Um, so just as a reminder, Ariel Helwani, our UFC guys coming on, Dusty Slay, the comedian, and Scott from Starstock will be joining us. Action-packed episode on Thursday. Tune in for that. Thank you so much for tuning in. This show is powered by Spotify, brought to you by The Ringer. I think I got that right. Wherever you're listening, whatever you're doing, like this episode, subscribe to however you got this episode, continue to watch. We'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. This episode is brought to you by hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.